In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When, who, did what? People come at the beginnings, and that's what Genesis means, is beginnings. People come at the beginnings from a lot of different perspectives. Religious, science, a lot of other ones. The Bible tells us in its very first words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Some of us were wired to have this arrogant need to believe in something that is uh, more than that simple language that we're smarter and we're above intellectually anything that can be explained so simply. And yet in ten English words is the answer to questions that people have been searching for for years and years and years. There's a guy named Dr. George Wald. He was a biologist, Nobel Prize winning biologist, professor emeritus of biology at Harvard University. He was a really smart guy. He died in 1997, and he said this, I quote, There are only two possibilities to how life arose. One is spontaneous generation arising to evolution. The other is supernatural creative acts of God. There is no third possibility. Spontaneous generation that life arose from non-living matter was scientifically disproved 120 years ago by Louis Pasteur. That leaves us, he said, with only one possible conclusion. That life arose as a creative act of God. And then he said, I will not accept that philosophically because I do not want to believe in God. Therefore, I choose to believe in that which I know is scientifically impossible, spontaneous generation arising to evolution. That brilliant man knew the truth. He knew what was right. And he chose to ignore it in place of believing in a lie. That's the very definition of arrogance. What I want you to do is put your thinking caps on this morning. I hope to challenge you a little bit. The very first words of the Bible talk about in the beginning. What beginning was that? It was the beginning of everything that we see and know. The heavens, the universe, the earth, everything around it. But also, and equally important, it was not the beginning of God. God was already there. God has always been. The beginning wasn't the beginning of God. The beginning that the Bible talks about is the beginning of space and time and earth and everything that we see and that we know. It was not the beginning of God. Now at this point I've had conversations with folks and maybe you're one of them that say you just walked into the never-never land of a Christian fairy tale there, buddy. The simple belief that a higher power created everything that we know, everything we see, all of the universe and everything that's alive... That's illogical and preposterous. It's impossible. And if that's you, welcome to church this morning. All I want to do is to clarify what it is that you believe. 
See, if you don't believe that God created everything, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, here's what you do believe. You do believe that science and science alone holds the answer to our beginnings and our very existence. Now, Now realize that the only explanation that science has ever produced for the beginning is a theory that they have called the Big Bang. It's an interesting one. What the Big Bang Theory says, basically, is that it isn't possible. A Nobel Prize winning biologist said, it isn't possible. The theory is unproven and and at its best, it's void of any supporting proof whatsoever. It's somebody's best explanation that science has taken a hold of that explains, well, one time, long, long time ago, in some place far, far away, there was nothing but emptiness. And in the middle of all that emptiness was a tiny, infinitesimally small dot of infinitely large mass and weight. And it was just floating around in nothingness. And one day, that little ball decided to explode of its own accord... And that explosion resulted in everything that we see and know, including you, your life, and all life everywhere, including all of the planets and everything else. That's the Big Bang Theory in a nutshell. So I'm trying to come up with an example. Well, what what can we talk about here in our world that would explain it? Here's what I came up with. Are you ready for this? It would be like taking a huge box full of all of the parts of a commercial jet airliner and putting all those parts unassembled into the box with a huge fuel tank full of fuel, carrying it up to 38,000 feet and dropping it. And when it landed, and the explosion that would result from all of the fuel resulted in a perfectly well-put-together commercial airliner filled with people, flight crew, and capable pilots. It sounds ridiculous, but that's really what we're talking about. It really is as ridiculous as that. Which is why Paul warns us in 1 Timothy, guard the deposit, the truth, he says, that's entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what's falsely called knowledge. Genesis 1.1 tells us where we came from, when it happened, and who did it. It tells us all of the answers that science has been struggling for all these years to come to an explanation of. Genesis 1.1 tells us why is it important for us to talk about this? Simply because the world around you, the media, the schools that your kids go to more than likely want to dismiss this very simple beginning because it's a fairy tale, but they want to, they want to give you instead an opportunity to believe in a different fairy tale. And the fact of the matter is, what we're going to find out is those first ten words of the book of Genesis are in fact nothing short of eternal truth. Now, is it my intention to mock or make fun of scientific pursuit? Goodness knows I'm not that smart. No, it isn't. In fact, we all owe quite a debt of gratitude to the many men and women of science who have helped us understand the world we live in, how we can live in it more comfortably, who have helped us understand medicine and how we can be more healthy. I do not intend to mock science. But it is my intention to say there are some things that science can't tell us about. In fact, there's two things I know for sure. One of them, science itself says 
Life does not spontaneously spring from nothing. That intelligent Harvard professor said, it was proved 120 years ago. It just simply doesn't happen. And the second thing I know, that explosions, especially in, especially in calculably large explosions, result in nothing but chaos and damage. So maybe there is really more to this account in Genesis than people give it credit for. I'll admit that I live in a world of faith and I'm happy to do that. But when I look at the Big Bang Theory and how little is there to support and actually explain it, that to me is the very essence of faith. Believing in something that you have to go into blind and accept without proof and without any basis that can be proved. See, science is all about verifiable, repeatable, and provable. And the fact is that there are big chunks of the Big Bang Theory and evolution that simply are not verifiable, are not provable, and are not repeatable. They go against the very basic tenets of science altogether. And so in my mind, both of them are great stories. And they're doing what they can to explain what we read in Genesis 1-1, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the way that we've come to understand it in our world as well, that was a big bang. goes on in verse 2 and it says this, The earth was without form and void. There was no earth. There was emptiness. And darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There was no earth. There was only emptiness and nothing and darkness. People who want to talk about the Big Bang say that that infinitesimally small bit of mass and weight and matter existed in nothing but darkness. There was nothing else around it. And yet the Bible tells us that there was. God was there. The Spirit of God was there. So in fact, it wasn't nothingness. The one thing that existed before the beginning was God. And so it may have appeared to be nothing, but it wasn't at all. Professor at Georgetown University, his name is Patrick Glenn. He was an atheist for years. He turned his belief to a faith in God because of science. And he wrote, Ironically, the picture of the universe given to us by the most advanced 20th century science is closer to the book of Genesis than anything offered by science since Copernicus. When Genesis tells us about creation, it isn't giving us a story or a fairy tale or a theory or some nice way to tell our kids that doesn't require much explanation. What Genesis 1-1 is doing is simply telling us the truth. It's telling us the facts of what happened. And what creation shows us, that story that is in Genesis that is the foundation of all truth, shows us God's power. His eternal presence, His creativity, His playfulness, His humor, along with His desire for structure and order and consistency. In Latin, the word for what God had to work with is ex nihilo. Creation sprang out of nothing. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. What were the, the materials that God had to work with? Nothing. There was nothing there. Nothing but His spoken word. In the New Testament, John 1 says this, In the beginning was the word... The Word was with God and the Word was God. Two things happening there. One of them it's telling us that Father, Spirit, and Jesus, the Son, are present at creation. All three of them had already existed, had existed forever. And that the Word, as God began to speak creation, 
was Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three present and active in creation since before the beginning. I got to thinking about that. got to thinking about my life and I realized something. Only God can see infinite potential in nothing. God sees infinite potential in creation, and so He makes it happen. He says the word, and there it is. Out of nothing, God saw all that we've ever witnessed. What in the world does God see for potential in you? What is the potential that God has wired into who you are? If God can create all of that we ever have seen and will ever know out of nothing, what can God create in you? See, I'm like the notion of the Big Bang or the impersonal happenstance of the theory of evolution, which is basically chaos and luck. God had a plan. Creation began with a plan. And in that, we know that God began with a plan for you all those years ago. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, plans to give you a future and a hope. See, God has a desire for you in your life. God's plan for you is called His will for your life. God wants you to live your very best life, but that might not be the life that you want to live. Your very best life is the life that He created you for. And that God's plan for you begins when God reveals Himself to us in the person of Jesus. And then we've got all of creation to put the exclamation point on who God is. What's God's plan? That you know His Son in a personal way. Ephesians 2 says this, Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God's greatest desire is that every single human being, God's will, is that we all come to the saving knowledge, the Bible says, of who Jesus is. But that might not be your will. That might not be your choice. But when it says that God had a plan beforehand, that doesn't mean before you were born or before you started making decisions. The plan that God had beforehand pre-existed creation. God had a plan for you before He ever began to speak creation into existence. And so when the world around us tells us we've got to choose between science and religion, we've actually got a third option. See, we can appreciate science for all that it is. We can appreciate science for all that it tells us and teaches us and helps us. And we can understand it within its own limits. And then we can also choose to be people of faith who believe in Jesus. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Ex nihilo. The things that are seen were made out of nothing. Abraham Lincoln said this, I never behold the heavens filled with the stars that I do not feel I am looking in the face of God. I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist, but I cannot conceive how he could look, look up into the heavens 
and say there is no God. It's an incredible thing to stand outside on a clear night and look up at the sky. Stars and planets. If you're fortunate enough to see the northern lights. And then we're told in Romans that we have to be careful. We have to make sure that we keep things in the proper perspective. Romans 1.25 says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. See, here's the thing with science. Science and atheism, not that they're the same, but they both worship at the altar of human intelligence and they worship the creation, not the Creator. See, God says be careful you don't get caught up in all that because He knows how easy it is. He knows how loud those voices can be. So how does that work out for us average, everyday folks? Very simple. We all live in Minnesota. Most of us do. And for better or worse, we like the seasons. All of them. And some of us even find things to do winter, spring, summer, and fall. And we've got hobbies and things that we enjoy in all of them. Hunting, fishing, skiing, hiking, gardening, stargazing. It's real easy to get caught up in the glory of creation. But the Bible tells us don't get caught up worshiping creation. See, we can talk ourselves into believing a lot of different things and God created you to start believing in Him. After all, who do you think put in you that appreciation for creation? Your Creator did. You didn't come up with it on your own. You didn't wake up one morning and decide that you were going to like nature. Your Creator put that into you. God gave us the wonders of creation so that we might know Him, that we might see His handiwork in the world all around Him, not to dismiss Him and come up with a different explanation. So I got to thinking about creation a little more, and I realized, you know, you know what creation took out of God? Very, very little. It took a little bit of time. Probably took a little bit of creativity. It took His power and His spoken words. And everything that we have and see and know became into an existence. However, part of God's plan is that free gift of eternal life that we have in the salvation that's offered to us through Jesus. Now that cost God something. In fact, it cost God everything. It cost Him the life of His only Son, Jesus, our Savior. In fact, so powerful was the death of Jesus. Do you know that the earth responded, creation responded to the death of Jesus? Matthew 27:45 says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. On the impending death of Jesus, earth went dark. The light that God had created stopped shining because Jesus, the Son of God, was dying. And creation responded. Verse 51, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain that kept common people like you and I, you and I away from the Holy of Holies, the center of the temple, the place where they said God lived. The curtain tore from top to bottom as though there was a, literally a tear from heaven to earth. Creation responded. And the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after His resurrection they went into the holiest city and they appeared to many. Creation responded to the core of the earth and life returned to believers who had died. Does that make sense? Not in the least. 
until you realize that the Creator was at work again. It isn't crazy when you realize the whole purpose of Jesus' death and resurrection is that we be assured that in believing in Him, we too can be raised to a new life. See, God has had a plan since the beginning of time. That plan was to bring you into an eternal relationship with Him who is an eternal being through His Son, Jesus. We talked last week about John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever leaves in Him should not perish but have eternal life. We talked about how all God wants is for us to begin by believing in Jesus. So what if you took the first few words of John 3.16 and you changed them and you read them in the way that God wants us to understand them? For God so loved the world, the world that hates Him, the world that goes against His order, that is an act of rebellion against Him, that's us. What if you changed the word world, word world and said me? For God so loved me. For God so loved you that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but would have eternal life. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's not a possibility. It's not an option. It's not an opinion. It is a bold declaration of historical fact that no one, with all of the progress that's been made in science throughout history, no one has been able to refute with logic or reason, proof or evidence. That statement then is at the very core of the eternal truth of who God is. The opening words of Genesis, Genesis 1, the Bible declares what was created, who created all of it, and it goes on in creation, and we'll get here in the weeks that come, it tells us that God was thinking of you the whole time. Creation didn't happen outside of you. Creation happened for you. Ephesians 1.4 Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, you have been part of God's plan. You've been on God's heart since before the events of Genesis 1. A personal relationship with Jesus is the way that God invites you into the very heart of who He is, into the heart of creation, which will be fully complete when we enter heaven for all eternity. So where are you today? Because that really is what matters, isn't it? See, God loves us so much, He gives us choice. He doesn't tell us what we have to believe. He allows us to choose what we want to believe. So you can put your faith in science, and science is constantly changing. Science is constantly adapting as we learn more, trying to come up with an example. And so the completely ridiculous one I landed on is this. When I was a kid, there was this incredible new invention, and everybody ate it every day. It was called margarine. It was better for you than butter. Then they said, don't eat margarine. You've got to go back to butter. Margarine's plastic. Which is right. Every day we read, this is good for us, and then next week we read, don't touch it. It's bad for you. Does it make science wrong? It makes science changing. And as we learn and our knowledge grows, science learns and science grows. And it's good and it helps us. Or you can put your faith in a God who created you and all that is who is never changing, who is ever consistent. 
The choice is clear. You can choose the universe that is impersonal, that doesn't even know you're alive. Or you can choose Jesus, who loves you so much He died for you. It's part of why at noon today we've got some folks who are going to step forward and make a public statement of their faith and baptism. What they're doing is they're saying, as a, as a grown-up person who believes in Jesus, I'm submitting my life to Him, to my Creator. I'm going to take my life and take the one life that God gave me, the one life that God made me for, and I'm going to give it back to Him, to the Creator who loves them. What about you? Maybe today is your day. Maybe it's your day to stop worshiping creation and to realize that what you've really been appreciating all along is the work of your Creator. Maybe today is your day to say, I give up. I'm I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. God, if You created me for more, I want Your more. Maybe it's your day to, to do that thing that we don't like at all and submit yourself to Jesus. After the service, we'll have folks that are in the corners and, and they're our prayer team and you know what? They'd love to talk and pray with you. You don't know how to do that? They'll help you. Maybe you say today is the day that I want to make a public statement. I want to be obedient to Jesus. Maybe today in about a half an hour, 40 minutes, you want to step out into the water and be baptized and let the old you wash away and the new creation that the Bible talks about come to be. But really, it doesn't matter what science says. It doesn't even matter what the Bible says. What it matters is, what do you believe is true? The world gives you a choice, and God gives you a choice. The choice is yours. One of them has the entirety of human history pointing to its truth. And that is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But what will you believe? Let's pray. God, thank You for who You are. Thank You, God, that when You spoke creation into existence, You knew that we would never understand it completely. You you created our minds to seek and to search for answers, and so we've got brilliant people that try to do that. And they try to come up with an answer that's different than what You give us in the opening words of Your Word. God, thank us that you thank you that you give us the opportunity to seek you and to choose you for ourselves. Thank you that you give us the beauty of creation to live in and to enjoy. God, help us not to worship that creation. God, help us to know that it comes from you. Help us to worship you. And God, uh, you know, it might be that we're hearing something we've agreed and known for a long time. It might be that some of us are being challenged with our thinking. God, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would be at work in each and every one of us, wherever we are. Because we know that Your Word says that You want each and every one of us to come to a saving knowledge of You. To know You and Your Son personally. God, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would be at work in us. That we would all know exactly what that means in a very personal way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Alpha tonight at 5.30 at our North 40 building. Baptisms right after the service if you would like to make a public profession of your faith. Some people believe in UFOs and aliens, but they refuse to believe in God. 
Some people believe in science, which is propped up on a few occasions, theories that have no proof and no evidence. Some people believe that God's Word is really the Word of God. They believe that in the beginning, God really did create the heavens and the earth. But what matters is what do you believe? Where do you put your faith and your hope and your trust? When this life is over, what's going to happen to you? My hope, my prayer, what I've committed my life to is helping you understand Jesus is real. God truly has a plan for you. For a life that is far greater than anything you're ever going to carve out and create on your own. But you'll never know what that is until you put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus. Thank you for coming this week, folks. We'll have worship on Wednesday night at 6.30. Next Sunday, 8.30 and 10.30. And if you would be willing, if you've got nothing else going on, stick around. And if you want to be baptized, if you plan to be baptized, awesome. We're going to celebrate you. Otherwise, we're going to have a big old celebration down on our beach, and we'd love for you to join us. Folks in the corners are here if you'd like to pray with them. Thank you very much. We've got one more song. Have a great week.